Welcome to the Schoolhouse Podcast, where it is jumping. <laughs> this is Mr. Schoolhouse. Look, guys, I'm excited. I'm feeling astonishing about today's episode, right? I'm feeling astonishing and excited because we're going to talk about how educators can get into entrepreneurship. Because I think that entrepreneurship is important because and when we talk about money, let's be honest, money in education can seem like a taboo subject. You know, people can shy away from it or it seems absurd, like it just seems far from the surface. But we're going to dive into how you can get into entrepreneurship because we all know the reality is and what has been said several times over and over again in education is that teachers don't get paid enough. It doesn't matter what state, what country, where you live at. That topic is like the hotline everywhere. And so I think it's important that, you know, especially on my platform, that I expose you guys to other opportunities to get paid in education. And sometimes leaving the field may not always be the answer when you can still make more money in the field, still doing what you love, and still making a decent amount of money. I think that that's important. So I just thought that I exposed you guys to that type of information and we're going to dive into it. By the way, you guys know the mission statement as I said on a previous podcast, we had to do a little bit of revamping and I want to take you guys on the journey. You know, our mission on the Schoolhouse Podcast is to provide purposeful support for educational professionals. So let's go ahead and dive into it. I will allow my guest to introduce himself. Hi, uh, thank you so much for having me on the show. Uh, my name is Bradley W. Skinner. I am a high school educator in Southwest Wyoming. I teach uh, American literature, British literature, and I am a theater director. And then also uh, I do educational consulting. Uh, I do uh, inspirational perspective giving speaking. I get into schools. I talk about uh, my journey uh, in life as well as in education. And also, I'm a big supporter of teacher advocacy. As you mentioned, teachers don't get paid enough. And more importantly right now is we're losing a lot of great teachers. And I want good teachers to stay in the classroom if that's where they want to be. I'm never going to tell a teacher, don't leave the classroom if there's a better opportunity out there. But what I want to make sure is that we don't lose good teachers because they don't feel like they have another alternative other than leaving education. Mm-hmm. that's real that's very true so we'll we'll go ahead and dive into it man you know i know that you mentioned you've been in teaching and education i think that um i guess balancing both are are, are important how how do you do it how do you balance both and still be a teacher <laughs> with all um, that you do it it is tough and you know what i'm gonna give credit where credit is due first and foremost i i will always say and i love uh, talking about my incredible wife, Melissa. Uh, we just celebrated our 25th anniversary. She is a teacher as well. And mm-hmm. I know that I would not be able to do the things that I do in my career if it weren't for her. Uh, mm-hmm. She is absolutely amazing. Uh, the best partner I could uh, ever hope for. And so she really helps me with organization, with scheduling. She kind of works as, um, as my secretary, as my booking agent. Uh, she takes care of a lot of the stuff uh, Uh, for me just to make sure that I don't mess things up. (laughs) Nice. Oh, that's cool. That's so, hey, partnership. Partnership is wonderful. Partnership. Absolutely. So tell us, man, how how did you, how did you dive into, how did you dive into the avenue of like consulting? Kind of tell us about that. Well, it really came about, uh, it was never something that I really planned on. It was never something that I felt I had anything to ever offer. Um, Mm. I was, I was a teacher. I had been teaching for about 12 years and I finally reached a point. I I, I understand, uh, the importance and value of mental health because I didn't, I didn't understand what avoidance and denial was doing to me in my career. I didn't understand that not seeking professional help was incredibly detrimental. Um, I didn't understand what teacher burnout really was or looked like or felt like. I thought it was a myth. I thought it was, it happens to other people, not me. Mm. And eventually it led to a point where uh, I, I saw no other alternative 
than leaving education because of how bad my mental, physical, and emotional health was. And it reached a point where I ended up leaving my job. I, I still was in denial with a lot of things. I couldn't hold down another job. Uh, I was struggling trying to find employment. And uh, eventually we ended up losing our house and my family and I, we were homeless and uh, I didn't know what to do. And it actually led me to uh, being hired uh, to work at a pizza parlor with a bunch of my former students as my bosses. Oh, wow. And that was a very humbling uh, experience. I choose to say humbling because at the moment it was incredibly humiliating, but that's because of the mindset that I was in at that time. I didn't know really all the things that were going on with me uh, mentally. And um, they're the ones that really encouraged me to, to seek professional help. And they're, after a while of working with them, they're also the ones that motivated me to go back to education. They're like, just because you had a bad experience doesn't mean it's the wrong place for you. And they're like, you, you're going to still help other people. They need you in the classroom. And that's what's you know, eventually uh, led me back into education. And I had a principal when I got back into education that really drove home that point of that teachers, you need to be valued for your work and your professionalism and your expertise, and you need to be compensated for it as well. Mm-hmm. And he was the one that really started, his name's Darren Peppard. He was an incredible uh, uh, principal, amazing educator. He's one of my mentors and just one of my best friends. And he's the one that really was like, you have something to share. You've been through this experience and you can help other teachers from falling into some of those pitfalls from finding, you know, from, from experiencing teacher burnout, you can share with school leaders what led you to that point, And hopefully they can avoid those toxic issues. And, and that's when I started to realize maybe I do have something I can share that is of value. And up until then, I never felt like I, I, I was honestly, I never talked about it because I was so embarrassed by my past. I was embarrassed by my mistakes. I was embarrassed by who I was. I didn't want anybody to know it. And uh, he's the one that really helped me see, hey, your, your, your past is part of your story. It's not something to be embarrassed about. It's part of who you are and helped shape you into who you are today. Mm-hmm. Embrace it, uh, love it, and move forward from it. But don't get trapped and live in it, which is where I was. I kept living in that moment. And it was really, really uh, uh, painful and, uh, and damaging, uh, to me as a, as a person. Mm. And I took a while to finally get out of that. Mm. Mm. No, that's, that's, that's totally understandable. And when you talk about sharing your stories and how you can help teachers burn out, I think that's, that's, that's one of the, the, the most, I, my personal opinion, the most valuable, content you can share with with any teacher or any student your story because that's like the human in us and that's 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 like the vulnerability and the transparency that people can connect to like people can connect to depression or sadness or or like what you said homeless homelessness there's people who experience that every day teachers i'm pretty sure there's a lot of teachers that are dealing with some of these eternal struggles and they suppress those emotions and they don't even talk about them. So when you come in and, and, you know, you're providing these tangible, like telling your story, they're like, Oh, I can connect. I'm pretty sure they're, they can connect with that. They can resonate with that because honestly our, our struggles and our, and our failures is a part of what makes us human because we all experience it. It's true. For so long, I always looked at failure as an end product. If you make a mistake, you failed, and therefore you are a failure. And it took me a long time to realize that failing is an essential part in the process towards success, Mm -hmm. that we learn from those mistakes. We can better ourselves. We can improve. Uh, It it allows us to to strengthen uh, ourselves uh, internally, emotionally, mentally, and and. And I no longer see it in opposition to success, but an essential part of it. Mm, and it is. It is. It is. It does. Honestly, you can have all the money in the world. We all make mistakes. It's, I mean, we're, we're so flawed as humans, you know, we're <laughs> so flawed as humans. So it, it doesn't even like that is a part of the process. Very, very much so true. I agree with that. And when we talk about these things, how does your skills as an educator 
contribute to your skills in your consulting business? Well, one of the, the nice things, uh, my original background was in, in theater. So I, I went to, I went to my undergrad work was in uh, theater stage acting and directing. So performing has always been something I've done since I was a little kid. I started into, uh, to stage acting and when I was really little, I think around six. And so I've been a part of that for quite some time. So when I get into schools to speak, or even if I'm giving professional development, there's that element of performance. It is, it's still uh, putting yourself out there and, and I enjoy that. It's something I really like. The difference is, is with acting, I was always playing a character, but this time it's just me. Mm-hmm. And so there's still, as you mentioned, that vulnerability. So there's still that, that difficulty sometimes. Sometimes there, it, it does bring up uh, some pretty raw emotions. And, but I think I have to remind myself that, yes, this may resonate with other people. Even if teachers may not have those same experiences, they probably have students that have very similar experiences. And it might help them understand how to connect to their students a little better, knowing what they might be going through and what they're feeling and experiencing. And so even though it is, you know, I, I like the performance aspect more than anything, I like that realism of just being real with educators and letting them know that they matter, that they're valued, that what they're doing right now in the classrooms is the most important thing that they could be doing because our students need them. They need them there. They need good educators that care about their students, that want them to know that they're seen, that they're heard and that they're loved and that they have a place in this world. Mm, mm, that's, oh, that's, that's pretty, that's, that's some pretty good insight. And, and when we, and when we talk about education consulting, because you may have some teachers who may wonder, what is consulting? How, how, do you, how do you even get started? How can, how can I add this stream of income to my teaching, my teaching salary? So my question is to you, how does one get started? How do they gain clientele? You know, I think one of the, the things you have to do first is just figure out what it is that you have to offer. If you're, you're an expert, whether uh, it, it's an expert in your content, there's probably something in your content area that you teach that you are an expert in and know, you may not know the most. I, I, I certainly am not the most wise and educated in, in all ways or all things that I, that I speak on, but what you are an expert on is you, you know, you better than anybody else. So, you know, your experiences, you know, your expertise, you know, what you are able to share and to, to bring to the world. So even if it's just starting with a a podcast or TikTok videos or YouTube shorts, just start sharing content, share something that you're passionate about, that you're knowledgeable in uh, something that you say, look, this is what I have to offer. And it may just start there and then it can keep blossoming. Uh, one of the things that, that I, I knew that I wasn't going to just right away be jumping into schools and, and talking to, to students or, or giving professional development to educators or speaking to school leaders, uh, I needed something else to kind of be that hook that could help get me into schools. So one of the things I also do is uh, I'm a DJ. Uh, I perform under the stage name of DJ Phony Stark. Due to my uh, resemblance to Tony Stark, I've gotten that for years. So I figured I might as well embrace it. And so uh, performing at schools, doing school dances, um, or I, I have a, a special I actually offer right now with schools. And if they book me to come and speak to their students, then I stay for free that night and DJ a dance for them. Because right. um, I'm already going to be there. It's like, hey, it's a, it's a win-win. I'm already going to be there to speak to, to parents, to students, to teachers, whatever they need for me. So I'm already staying. I might as well just have fun and party with them and just put on a, a fun dance. And so having that other skill gave me the opportunity to get into uh, to schools, to be able to share my message, to share my stories, to talk with school leaders, and to then say, hey, I'm going to offer something that's fun but I also really want to offer something that's of value, which is going to be helping that school culture and climate, keep it as a positive space. So you keep your good teachers in the classrooms. Ah, uh, uh, you, you were onto something there. So it's almost like, it's like a double, double, you know, you have the part where you, you come in and you will speak to the students, parents, whoever, you know, who, who who they need you to speak to pretty much that that school 
And then you have the I'll stay at there to DJ. Yep. Oh. And, and also, that's not even my original idea. I took that from Kevin Honeycutt. Uh, oh. He's um, out of uh, Colorado Springs area. And uh, he would do that. He'd go and speak at schools. And then that night he would uh, do karaoke because he loves karaoke. And I'm like, hey, I'm taking that. I'm going to use that same thing, but do it with DJing and, you know, play a school dance for him. And then they can, the school can use that, that school dance as a fundraiser for one of their programs. Maybe it's for their national honor society or student government um, or their FFA program, whatever it might be, then they can be the ones that are kind of hosting that dance. And that's, you know, I have no say in that whatsoever. They just get to do it. And I'm just there to have fun. Wow. <laughs> I never thought I never thought of that. It's, it's a way to it's a win, win, win. It's like a double yeah. win. That's, I hope so. I hope so. That's smart. always the goal. <laughs> no, that's that's pretty smart. I would have personally never thought of that. Something like that. That's pretty smart, man. And, and, and go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, so, so there's definitely things that you have to offer. Um, and, and just like me, at it, my past, I used to shortchange my value. I it used to be like, no, I'm just a teacher. That word just, we throw that too often. You know, uh, I, I'm just an elementary teacher or I, I'm just a, an administrator or I'm, I'm just a counselor. No, you're so much more. And as we recognize that value, that there are people who need your knowledge. They need that expertise. If you can teach students that content, you have something that you have available to teach other people. And it's just finding what that is and what you can offer and and building it from there. It may start small, but it can easily grow and continue to to be something you may have never thought that it could be. Mm. And when and when we talk about talk about, you know, basically basically knowing what you offer, right? That's the first thing. Uh and an educator, if you're looking to go into this this field, what do you offer? What what is your value? Why would they consider you and I, I love what you said you are an expert at your own life you are you are you are an expert so figuring out yeah what is it that you offer and what do you want to bring to the table I think I think that's very important because schools they always are looking for people to do professional development they're always looking for people to do consulting work I mean even just being in college and following a lot of different educators I see it all the time schools buy books they 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 they'll they'll pay for these things, but it just has to be a value. Um, yeah. So when it comes to reaching out to reaching out to these schools, is it you? Do you call? Do you email? Is it more of like word of mouth or reference? And you just kind of you've kind of kept that momentum that way. Like I'm I'm still learning. I'll admit it. I a yeah. lot of it is uh, starting with connections that you already have. Uh, social media. Uh, I, I use social media quite a bit, both my, uh, both Facebook, Instagram, even TikTok. I talk about education. Uh, I let people know what I'm thinking about with certain uh, trends or topics, but then I also just do a lot of fun stuff. I think it's, it's important to just be genuine. So a lot of the stuff I'll post on social media is just me being silly sometimes because I find humor in education. Mm. So it's still education based, but there's some funny things that we just have to deal with in life as educators. And so being able to just be authentic and say, Hey, you've probably dealt with this, you know, and, and letting that resonate with others that we, we have those similar experiences. And a lot of times it's simply being able to laugh at something lets you know that you're not alone. That I can see another educator post something on, on TikTok where I can be like, oh, my goodness, I thought I was the only one that had to deal with that. I yeah. love that other people uh, experience it, too. And then to read the comments. And and so starting there, I, I love using social media for that purpose, uh, reaching out to to fellow uh, friends, other people that uh, that I've heard speak making sure that I have contacts with them. Say, Hey, I really like what you did or what you had to offer. I'd love to, to, to get some more ideas of how I can improve what I do mm. and, and building some of that. Obviously having uh, a mentor is, is an important aspect. I mentioned uh, Darren Peppard uh, earlier and uh, Steve Bowler, Stan tall. Steve is oh, another wow. one of my, my mentors. Uh, he's helped coach me quite a bit with my speaking wow. and he has been an absolute, uh, godsend in in me being able to recognize what it is that I have to offer and how I can do that. And so having somebody that that obviously knows more than you 
is a great thing to have in your corner so you can rely on them to to answer those questions that you may not have answers to. Yeah, let's let's talk about the mentorship part. I think how does how does how does a teacher or educator find a mentor? What like how does it just how ask? Does, that's real. It's just making sure that you're not afraid to to just ask. Uh, if you see somebody that you connect with, somebody that is doing what you want to do, or has a message that 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 touches your heart, mm-hmm. just talk to them. Uh, mm-hmm. With with Steve, I met uh, Steve Bowler in 2015 um, at a conference in Orlando, Florida, and. Instantly, I was just captivated by him as a speaker, as a presenter, but more importantly, as a person. Yeah. Uh, he's one of those educators that just gets it. Mm-hmm. That just in talking to him, I instantly recognized that that he understands what a school should be, the way that students need to be uh, cared for, the way that teachers need to feel valued in their schools. And he was just that guy that just got it. And I just was like, I need, I need that energy in my life. I want to learn from somebody like that and just, you know, kept in touch with him. Uh, he was working in administration, uh, at that time and, and onto as a superintendent, uh, and now just as a full-time consultant and speaker. And so, uh, when they, I had the opportunity to say, Hey, I want to learn more from you and I would like to invest in myself by investing uh, in your time. And so um, uh, he had a program that he was doing um, called Within Our Ranks that allowed, uh, he took on kind of as a cohort of other educators. Uh, he said, I'm going to teach you what I know and what I'm doing so you can do the same thing. And it was just an incredible investment. Um, it was it was great to put that time and energy into the work I wanted to do by learning from somebody that had a much better understanding and grasp of all its inner workings than I did. And so finding that mentor find, and, and really just came to just asking, saying, hey, how do I learn more from you? Wow. Something as simple as how do I learn more from you? And I think it's part of like, even in mentorship, it's part of it's like knowing what you want to, because I guess like, I'm just thinking on the terms of if I was to go ask somebody to be a mentor, I have to at least know what am I exactly looking for from this mentor and relationship as well? Because yes. you can be like, you could say, you could come up and say, Hey, I, I want you to be my mentor. And then they say, okay, what do you need help with though? I don't know. Right. What do you want me to mentor you in? And, <laughs> yep. And so the fact that I was clear on my intentions that, that for me, that uh, the first thing that I said, uh, uh, to Steve was, uh, I would like to get into double digit, um, bookings. I had been speaking, you know, maybe two or three times a year. And I said, I want to get into double digits. I'd like to get that 10, that 11, uh, times that I could speak. And he said, all right, that if I know that's the focus, that's what we're going to do. Let me teach you how to make that a possibility. And, and so I had that goal set. He understood what that goal was. And so the focus could then be targeted towards helping me better myself to a way that was going to allow me to achieve that goal. Mm. That's very important, you know, to all the educators out there. I think when in terms of coming, when you're, when you're looking for mentorship, it's all, it's also a part of like knowing what, 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 what do you want out of that mentoring relationship? What, what is it that you're looking for? What, what's the purpose behind the men having a mentor because someone recently reached out to me um, and someone reached out to me asking me um, if I knew of a mentor. And I was just telling him, you know, when you're looking for a mentor and understand this, that it, it, it can be, it's an investment, you know, a lot nowadays, a lot of people have programs and things like that. So you also have to be willing to invest into yourself. When you when you are looking for mentorship, what is it that you're looking for? What is it that you want? Because that's something that you could discover and kind of figure out and think about before you kind of make that initiative. Because if you just say, I don't know, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what I'm expecting. I don't know what I'm here. For. It's kind of like uh, somebody doesn't really like how how can that mentor that person that you're looking up to kind of help you 
navigate through that. So it, it helps a lot if you know exactly what are you looking for, what is it that you are expecting, so that yes. you know it can be like a like a healthy type of mentorship. So, yeah. but to anyone listening, if you don't know, please don't let that deter you from getting started. Uh, you may find that you have a mentor that's going to help you shape those goals and find what it is that you are really passionate about. If you surround yourself with good people, uh, it's amazing. I've said this before. A lot of one of the things I do say in a lot of my speaking events that it's truly amazing to see what can happen when you surround yourself with people who are determined to see you succeed and get rid of those people that are hoping to see you fail. Yeah. Having that circle that says, Hey, when you're down they're there to pick you up because they are determined that you are going to be successful and they might help you find what that passion is. They may help you find what your goals really are and help shape them and then do everything in their power to get you there. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. Your circle of influence definitely plays plays a critical role indeed and i want i want to talk about numbers if you don't mind when you, okay. you mentioned about the double digits how does someone know what to charge how how do you know that is a great question <laughs> <laughs> and uh and you the way that i, I look at the same thing i do with my dj business i never want to be um, the most expensive option, but I certainly don't want to be the cheapest option. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of what I did in my, uh, my music entertainment business as a DJ, mm. I, I apply to the same elements and the same skill set as I do as a, as a speaker and as a consultant. So mm. putting it into terms with, uh, with the DJ in business, our main thing is weddings. We primarily focus and specialize in wedding entertainment. We have a team of uh, videographers. We do wedding films. We have DJs, wedding planners, MCs that do the hosting, the announcing. And so we offer a really uh, excellent package to our clients. We want to be the best at what we do. So they want to choose us because they see what we have to offer is unlike anybody else. And so our, our, goal is we try to shoot for a 75% to an 80% closing rate. What do you mean by that when you say closing rate? So so meaning that anybody that inquires, that someone says, hey, we're interested in your company, tell me more, that once they get to that point, they say, we want to know more, that we want to book 75 to 80% of them to say, hey, we are going to now, you're going to, we're going to take you on as a client and we're going to do your event. If we are below that rate. So if we drop to 70%, uh, 60%, then that tells us that we're charging too much and that people aren't, they're just saying, hey, that's too expensive. It's not worth it for us to do it. If we start booking over 80%, where all these people are booking up and we fill all of our calendar, we realize we're probably charging too little because then everybody wants it. So we try to find that balance that says, all right, the quality of service that we're offering is equal to the value of what we're charging. Mm. And so I had to bring that same thing into my, my speaking. Um, obviously you got, you have travel, you have expenses, you've got lodging, you've got, uh, car rentals. Uh, so putting all that into effect, plus what is it that you're offering? Are you just there to speak once and then you never talk to these people again? Or are you following up? Are you talking to them again? Are you providing them with something to say, hey, I'm going to check back every two months and see how your teachers are progressing? Or I'm going to give all of you, here's my personal email. So I want your teachers checking in with me so I can see how they're doing. Uh, Here's contacts to other mental health professionals that I've worked with that if you have questions or concerns, they would love to visit with you to make sure that you're staying healthy as an educator. You know, are you, so taking all that into effect of saying, this is what I'm offering. Is it equal to then the value and, and what it is that you need to, to make, to, to make it worth your time, effort, energy, and expertise. So it is, it's tough. It's a really tough process. And it's a tough conversation because <laughs> You know the comment we saw on. Uh, it made me think about the comment we. Saw. I don't say names, but I saw, when we saw a comment on Facebook in the group chat, yeah, leave it at that. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so, with that, with that being said, 
because I'm I'm thinking when you're when you talk about closing rate, so it's pretty much saying you put out you put out this package, you put out this price. Mm-hmm. If seventy to eighty percent of people are are saying yes to this package, then that means you're 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 at a good point, but you could go higher. It's you could go high. Okay, so yep. if you, yeah, yep. you want you want to just find that spot. Can I go a little bit more? But uh-huh. again, the other thing that I say is you don't want to just charge more if you're not offering more. Mm. Um, and that that's that's my personal take. That if I'm saying, all right, this is where I'm at, and I'm comfortable at this point. If I'm going to charge more, am I going to offer more? And that offering might just be with, you know, it may, may be greater expertise. It might be that uh, I'm going to provide another service. It, uh, it might be, okay, if uh, I have, you know, I charge X amount for one speaking engagement. But for me, I'm like, I'm already there at that district or I'm there at that company or that, that corporate retreat. Wherever I'm at, I'm already there. So what else can I do while I'm there? All right. Do you have another school that I can go visit with? I'll do that. No extra charge. Um, I'm already talking to students. Do you need me talking to parents after school for that evening? I'm already there. So I'm going to do that for no extra charge. So being able to say, hey, I'm going to give you more to make it clear that that investment that you're putting in is worth it because I'm going to give you a greater opportunity to to help those within your stewardship. Wow. Hey, man, you you dropping some games today. <laughs> some good information. Some good information. I think I think that that is valuable. So it's always looking to um, looking for other opportunities to serve as well. And I know that you have your DJing, but I just kind of want to give you guys some some ideas that if you're not talented at DJing, you can offer books. Books mm-hmm. is another is a is a great way to say, hey, look, I'm here to consult and speak. But I also have books as well, you know, so it can kind of be like a, a two way street type of deal. Just just yeah. an idea out there for you guys. And I think that's something to get. We talk about the way that we often as educators, because we're in that giving business, we're in a service oriented business that we don't often think of what we have to offer. Uh, and some people may say, well, I'm, I'm not a writer. I haven't written a book, but you sure can. You certainly can. The way that the world works, the internet, Amazon is such a great place. If you have ever sat down at your school and you said, all right, I have to create new curriculum, document that process. Write that whole thing down from start to finish on how you went through and did all of it and then submit it into uh, Amazon has their eBooks that you can then sell. Uh, You could be a a published writer for your work and then you offer that to others. It's possible. Uh, and it's not it's not the daunting task. You can self-publish your own work that you have done. It's okay. You can do yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's getting over that mental barrier of, oh, I'm just, like you were saying, I'm just a teacher, and maybe no one is going to hear what I have to say, or just all these doubts and these yeah. that play along in our mind. And, you have to you have to just attack it and say no. I can do anything. That's right. <laughs> I can do and anything. think and think of what a great lesson that is for your students. Right. That you're you're going to have students that may feel that they don't have anything to offer, yeah. and when they see their teachers doing those things, and then in turn those teachers immediately turning around and supporting and believing in their students and helping them succeed, uh, that's that's powerful. That is powerful for kids today to know that as tough as things are, that they have at least that one champion in their school that believes in them and knows they can do it. Mm-hmm. That's really good. That's really good. And when we when we when we talk about these things, it, it made me think about, you know, you're doing your professional development, you're consulting with these schools. Are there any teaching practices that you have? that you implement into your speaking when you go speak to these schools? A lot of it depends on what the needs of the school itself is. Uh, One of my biggest uh, pushes and supports right now, of course, is helping schools with uh, improving their school culture and climate. Okay. Uh, so that's that's a big one is just uh, right now that's a big focus uh, for me and most of the schools that I am speaking at uh, and working with is for that purpose. It's not that they have a toxic environment. Most of them are actually really, really good, but it's how can we always make it better? So just mm-hmm. helping them look at 
uh, the current culture and climate of their school, what's working, what can be improved, uh, how can we take it to that next level, and just to really ensure that the students and the teachers can be successful in that environment and to a point where students don't want to leave the school, so it helps improve your graduation rates, and teachers don't want to leave education, which helps, of course, with your teacher retention rates. So that's a big focus uh, that I'm dealing with uh, right now. Mm-hmm. When, you, when you talk about school culture, when, you, when, you, when you're consulting, like from a consulting perspective, are, are you going in like asking, hey, well, you're telling that principal, whoever you're, um, you're con- whoever you're, you know, contacting with, hey, we, this is what I can do for you in terms of like school culture. Do you need do you need assistance with school culture? Like, how does that how does that conversation go? A lot of it, it's not so much about uh, what do you need um, in that that same way of like, hey, I see you have a problem, let me fix it. Um, but most of it is is it's it's we're doing really really well, but we want to get to that next level. Mm. And really, the 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 thing that kind of where where schools stall out from what uh, my work has seen is a lot of the work that is being done is only being done, implemented and discussed by school leadership, district leadership and teachers. And we're missing the biggest component, which is the students. Mm. You can ask a school how they're doing. An administrator could say they're doing great. Teachers might say they're doing great. And then you ask the same question from the students and you might have 60% of your students going, we're not doing great at all. Oh, we're, wow. we're terrible <laughs> yeah. because they see it so differently. Yeah. And so getting in and making sure that your students have a voice, that that voice is heard and valued yeah. and being able to get that input from all sides of the equation to let then uh, see what really needs to be fixed, where, where are those deficiencies at and how do we address it from the leadership, from the teacher and from the student viewpoint to make sure that everyone is working collectively, collaboratively to improve the culture and climate of their school and not just addressing it from one viewpoint only. Mm, it's interesting you talk about that. I've never heard it from that perspective before. You know, principals, leadership, and teachers can see and say the school's doing doing well, but students are saying it's terrible. Do you know do you know why they why why their viewpoint is different? Are you I wonder, are they, are they just looking at, okay, that is good. Behavior is good. We're good over here with school and culture, but I don't know. It can be. And I think a lot of it from where, again, this is again, from, from my lens uh, of what I've seen is that it's the students. Do they feel like they really truly have a voice in their school mm. and the schools that have done a better job of making sure that students um, not only feel heard, but feel valued in what they're saying and that they have a positive avenue for that. That if they just say, hey, I've got a complaint, does that complaint get crumbled up and thrown in the round file next to the principal's desk? Yeah. Or is that complaint actually listened to, listened to be understood, addressed, talked about how can we make this a better situation and then put into practice? Yeah. I mean, if you have schools that are doing that, that culture and climate of their school is always better because the students feel that they're a part of that cohesive system. They're not just a cog in, in the wheel of education, but they're actually contributing to the improving of their educational system. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, I think that's such a key point because so often we have those students that just don't feel like they, they don't feel like they have a voice. They don't feel like they, they matter. They just go through the motions. They show up, they get off the bus, they go to their classes, they go home. And really, did they even have a positive experience that entire day? Or was it simply just going through the motions of education? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it has me really thinking, right? Because, and this is just like full transparency. And that's, that's like what you were saying is so important. But my mind is, now this is me looking from the outside because I know I'm not in there fully, but I'm just thinking that, okay, when administration and, you know, they look at 
basically how their school is performing. And their school is performing well. It's, 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 it's doing well. It's astonishing. It's excelling. But then you ask the students how their experience is, and maybe they're, they don't have the most, you know, like you were saying, the most enjoyable experience. I wonder, do they think, say, hey, you know, we don't even have time to even revamp be, or try to make the school a place where it's an enjoyable experience for students because we're already where we need to be and I'm scared and afraid of like switching things up. I don't know. That's just my thoughts as just coming out of my mind as you were just saying that. And I've, I've never been the best when it comes to data. Uh, I'm still learning getting better, but okay. data is such an important thing. If you look at it correctly, mm-hmm. you can easily look at a school. I go into a school that says, we're doing great. We are awesome. Uh, we have uh, an 88% graduation rate, which yeah. is awesome. That's wonderful. Okay. It can always be better, but they like, I've got an 88% graduation rate. I'm fine. I don't need your help. And then we look at the data and say, okay, but you only have a 22% with one of your minority groups. Oh. That's a huge problem yeah. because we're not looking at the data you can skew the data. You can only look at the positive stuff, but we can look at it and go, what are you doing to really help this group that's not performing well? Or more importantly, what have you already in place that is detrimental to that group mm. that is making their success more challenging than it ever should be? And 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 whatever that, that demographic might be, if those numbers are far off on those data sheets – you've got a problem at your school and wow. we've got to help figure out what it is, how we can address it. Sometimes it's policies. Sometimes it's procedures. Uh, sometimes it's again, and I know the system is never perfect, mm. but we need to do a better job of taking care of our kids. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's important. It's, 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 you know, because I remember when I, I remember my high school graduation and my superintendent, said all the amazing statistics such and such graduated with this they're going to this college and just all of the highs but rarely and i don't think they would ever like talk about the lows and and it's all in the data like looking at looking at the weak gaps and how do you address this and be intentional about it so yeah. I think I think I think what you said was definitely that's definitely important. And a lot of it, I think it also it, it starts with, with that intention that it's it's easy to celebrate the highs. It's easy yeah. to celebrate those things. But what about that kid that had a 1.2 GPA, but this last semester he got a 1.8? Mm. that's that's huge improvement celebrate mm. that let's be excited about it that's just because you may say oh that kid's a low performer well maybe by certain standards but that that jump in his gpa is awesome let's support that let's celebrate the good we don't always have to just celebrate the upper echelon of your school celebrate all the good things that are happening in your school wow wow that is that's amazing. That's amazing, man. And we're, I know we're about to wrap things up, wrap things up here. But before we get out of here, I would love to know what is one problem in the education system that you see and what do you think the solution is? Ooh, that, that, that's a tough one because I know you're like, boy, I can answer this one and I might have people applaud it or I can answer this one and I'm going to be vilified for it. And you know what you've said? Thank you. I want to say first and foremost for creating a space where uh, I feel comfortable in sharing. Uh, Thank you for, for being open and receptive to that. So I'm going to say it right now that I think the biggest challenge that we have is, uh, outside educational groups that are trying to ban books and what is being taught in schools. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have no problem saying it. I think we are heading in a terrible, terrible direction where we are allowing uh, other parties and groups to be able to undermine the expertise of educators, to undermine the content, the years, the dedication that teachers have put into perfecting their craft And for others to come in and say, 
we know better than you. You can't do this. Mm. That is a huge problem. Yeah. Yeah. I know that's, that's, that's really big in Florida right now. Yeah. 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 And, and other states are following suit. They see the popularity of it. They see uh, the upward trend of, uh, oh, we can, we can do this. We can, we can come in and take over school boards and, and we can dictate what's going to be done in our schools. And I just see it as a huge undermining of our educators' expertise. They have put decades into perfecting their craft as teachers. They put so much time in their studies to get to that point to be a teacher and to just have somebody who's never set foot in a classroom in the last 30 years tell them what to do and why they're wrong is disrespectful to yeah. the art and science that goes into being a teacher. Yeah. Yeah. That's real. That's real. And do you have any ideas of how in the education system we can move forward or how I, can I think I'd say the first thing is it starts again. It, the problem has started from outside the education system. So the problem needs to get corrected outside of the education system. We need parents to stand up to bullies in school districts, in meetings and in political arenas that are doing these things that are undermining educators expertise. We need parents that are going to stand up and say, I see what these teachers are doing for my kids. They make a difference. They love our children and they want them to be successful in life. They want them to grow up to be valuable members of society. And they're teaching them how to be successful through problem solving, through literacy, through other skills in their classroom. And this these cheap shots that they're taking claiming that we're indoctrinating kids and that we're teaching things that are not in the curriculum. We're, we're busy enough as it is. We have work to do and we're doing it. Stop making up things that are not happening within schools and quit trying to solve problems that don't exist. And we need more parents standing up to those bullies that are trying to take down good teachers and forcing them out of classrooms. Man. And, and, Man, I, I did a podcast earlier today and we were just talking about some along the lines of, of this discussion. And I reiterate, reiterate this again. But, you know, to all the educators out there, please, you know, encourage the parents as, as much as you can to get involved in these things. Because guess what? What I've realized and known is that a lot school, the, these um, the schools, they have um, board meetings and they have community meetings where. Policy, they're, they're talking about policies, procedures, all of these things that happens in the schools, these things are getting passed and you're not even, you're not there to advocate for it, you know, mm -hmm. in these board meetings, in, in these community meetings that schools host, like these things are free. You can, you can just, you can go. And so I just encourage yep. you, encourage you guys to parents out there who may be listening, or if you know a parent to, Hey, encourage them. Hey, Come to this board meeting tonight because they could be yep. passing something and you, you have no idea. And it's affecting your child's education. Yep. Stand up, speak yeah. up or go run, run for your yeah. local school board yeah. so you can help make a difference. And I'm going to say a quick shout out to my school board, Sweetwater County School District number two. Absolutely incredible. My school board members are, are amazing. They they support teachers. They are they're incredible. They they understand and put policies and procedures in place that make a difference that are really helping our students be successful. So I just wanted to give them a quick shout out. Oh, no, most definitely. Most definitely, man. And um, thank you once again, man, for, for coming on the schoolhouse podcast and, and just adding value. You know, I genuinely, genuinely appreciate it. Taking your time out your day to share you. your expertise and, and the, your experience. I just, I want to thank you again. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's been an honor. Thank you so much for having me. All right, guys, we're about to head over to the schoolhouse office. But before we go, I want to encourage you all to please follow, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Again, the schoolhouse podcast in the education space, there's not a whole lot of education podcasts out there. It's not a whole, whole lot like there is relationship podcasts and finance podcasts. I, I, I've done the research. But if you can follow and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, this podcast will become more visible. Again, this is the new wave of professional development on the go. So this can be a toolbox, a resource for educators to say, hey, look, I resonate with this. 
I understand this and, and you feel supported. You get that emotional support. So again, guys, just share it and get it out to everyone. Thank you once again, man. Thanks. All right. Talk to you later. Welcome to the Schoolhouse Podcast office where it is jumping. All right, guys. Again, we all know that teachers do not get paid enough. We know that. That's that's a real thing. It's in the headlines, like I said before, everywhere. And I am an advocate for educational professionals to have the tools and resources they need to become successful, not just for students, but financially, right? Because I'm pretty sure, you know, you could use some extra money and education consulting is a way. I just want you guys to be exposed to this resource, to this toolbox and be able to add this because you're, you're enough. You are the expert of your own life. You can talk about mental health. You can talk about, you know, how to bring up, you know, how to, how to advance student achievement. I mean, you can talk about policies. You can talk about teacher retention you can talk about how to build relationships with students. I mean, you you got skills, you got skills out of this out of this world, and the world needs to hear it. But this is an opportunity, and this is we're we're living in a time where yes, schools will pay for your expertise, colleges will pay for your expertise. They will pay, they will pay for what you have to offer. And I just want you guys to know that because this topic of like finances and money is. So taboo. I've I've experienced it where I've asked questions and people were would act different and, and weird towards me because I wanted to know, like, from the financial aspect of things, how to go about it. So again, guys, I just want to encourage you and let you know it's a resource. This is Mr. Schoolhouse. Peace. And I'm out.